Welcome to Tales of Panem, a Hunger Games podcast. My name is Claire, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm glad to have you all joining me this week. Make sure to check out my social media, which is at Tales of Panem on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for updates, episode information, and more. This week's episode will cover chapters 14 through 18 of Catching Fire, and as usual, I'm going to start off with a brief recap of the chapters. On the train ride to the capital, Katniss, Peeta, Hamish, and Effie watch the recap of the reapings to see who their competition will be. That night, Katniss and Peeta can't sleep, so they watch the tape of Hamish's games, learning that he won by using the force field at the edge of the arena. At the capital, the tributes prepare for the opening ceremonies, and Katniss meets one of their competitors, Finnick O'Dare from District 4. After the parade, Hamish introduces Katniss and Peeta to the District 11 tributes, Cedar and Chaff. They also meet Joanna Mason, the woman from District 7. When they arrive back at their living quarters, Katniss is horrified to discover that Darius, her friend from District 12, is their new A-box. The next day, training begins, and Hamish tells Katniss and Peeta to try and find some allies. Over half of the tributes request them as allies after seeing Katniss shooting at the archery station. They then move on to their private sessions with the game makers. Peeta paints a picture of Rue, and Katniss hangs a dummy that she labels as Seneca Crane. This upsets Hamish and their stylists, and they both score perfect 12s, which Hamish says is the game maker's strategy for getting the other tributes to target them first. Finally, it is interview night, and the majority of the tributes have come up with strategies to cause anger from the people towards President Snow. Snow insists Katniss wear her wedding dress, but Cinna alters it so that when she twirls, it transforms her into a mockingjay. During Peta's interview, he announces to the audience that Katniss is pregnant, causing an uproar. All the victors join hands before the screens are cut off. That night, Katniss and Peta say their goodbyes to Hamish and prepare to enter the arena the next morning. However, as Katniss is stepping into her tube, peacekeepers enter the room and beat and arrest Cinna. She has no time to recover as she is lifted into the arena, realizing that her pedestal is surrounded on all sides by water. So much for a brief recap. I tried really hard to cut down this recap a little bit, but truly there's so much going on in these chapters, and I feel like I like skimmed through most of it in that recap. So there's a lot going on, and I have a list of like 50 things that I want to talk about, so I'm just going to kind of get started, jump right in. One thing that I want to mention right off the bat, and I think that maybe I talked about this a couple weeks ago when I talked about like how difficult it's going to be for Hamish either way, whether he's going into the arena or he's mentoring. Um, And a lot of that is obviously because of like, he cares a lot about Katniss and Peeta and he doesn't want to watch them go back in. But also the other or the other victors are his friends. And so all the people going into these games are people that he knows. And a lot of them are people that he's become friends with over the years. So like it would have been obviously really difficult for him to go in and have to face off with and kill some of those people but it's also difficult for him to sit back as a mentor and kind of be like actively rooting against those people because not only is it just like his job as a mentor to help Katniss and Peeta win but also like or Katniss or Peeta win I guess but that's also like what he wants like he wants one of them to make it out alive but that means he's actively helping them kill people that he's been friends with for maybe the last 25 years. So that's a big part of what he means when he says like, I think it's gonna be bad for me no matter where I am. It's not just because of Katniss and Peeta, it's because of all of these people that he actually cares about. Um, And we see that like when he introduces Katniss and Peeta to Cedar and Chaff and it's obvious that like him and Chaff have gotten very close over the years. And you know that like that's the case with him and a lot of the other victors. And also just like, even the ones that he's not as close with, he still knows them very well because they have to mentor every single year. And so seeing all these people that he has known for the last some up to 25 years, 
have to now go back into the arena and only one of them is going to make it out. And if he, if it, if he gets it his way, it's not going to be any of them. It's going to be either Katniss or Peta. So he's just having a really bad time, obviously. Uh, and I wanted to start us off with that because obviously the thing that I want to talk about first is Haymitch's Hunger Games. Hello. Um, first thing about that, completely unrelated to Haymitch, is that Madge, who is the person that Katniss gets the Mockingjay pin from, uh, her aunt, Maisley Donner, is the person that she got the pin from and who is also one of the other District 12 tributes in the 50th Hunger Games and Haymitch's ally, actually. So as if that that pin and its symbol didn't already carry enough weight, now we have an extra added layer. And it hits even harder when you remember what we learned a few chapters ago, which is that Maisley Donner was actually friends with Katniss's mother before she went off to the games. So there are so many layers. And then you think back to like, some of the earliest chapters of the Hunger Games where we learn that the, the pin reminds Katniss of her father because he would sing to the Mockingjays out in the woods and obviously reminds her of Rue because of their time in the arena. So we have these connections of this pin to all these people and now it's becoming a symbol of the entire country and it's almost a way of like honoring people who are no longer there like Maisley or Katniss's father or Rue or any of these people that have that the pin would have meaning to it's a way of like honoring all of them but I just think that like the connection between like this Mockingjay pin to Katniss to Madge to her Aunt Maisley to Haymitch but also to Mrs. Everdeen and like oh it's just so much and I think that I definitely get why they kind of cut Madge out of the movies kind of just had Katniss by the pin because it's a lot of additional time needs to be taken to introduce who Madge is and establish their friendship and like all of that stuff that they truly just wouldn't have time to do and I do think that the the pin doesn't need all of that to have meaning because a big part of what it means in terms of like the rebellion is what Katniss the, the meaning that Katniss has given it through her actions and also it has significance in the way that like she gives it to Prim as a way of like protecting her and Prim gives it back to her before she goes off to the games um but I do think that its meaning in the books is something that goes even further beyond Katniss. I mean, obviously it goes beyond her anyway, because yes, she might have, have been the one to kind of like ignite this spark, so to speak. But but the credit also has to be given to all the people who participate in the rebellion against the Capitol. And so it does become something bigger than her. But it in the books, it starts out that way as well. Um so just an interesting connection. But now onto what I know you all want to hear me ramble about is Hamish's Hunger Games. They do watch them. Um, and there's a billion things that happen in just this short little span of time. But I'm just going to kind of hit the highlights. Um, the way that Hamish wins is by using the force field at the edge of the arena, which is really smart. Have I mentioned that I think he's literally a genius? But once again... He's super smart. And he's smart in the way that Katniss is. Like, this is totally something Katniss would do, you know? Like, and then that, that's like literally the point is that when you get to the end of the chapter, Katniss is like, he's kind of just like me for real. Um, but no, she literally is like, she says, like, I I'm starting to understand who Haymitch is, and I also am starting to understand who I am because 
she compares the the thing with the force field to her with the berries and it's totally a fair comparison and also i think i love the end of this chapter for a million reasons but one of them being that they they originally aren't going to watch Hamish's games because they think that he, he would be mad if he found out but then they're like we just won't tell him but he ends up coming in as they're watching the end but instead of being mad he's just like now you get it like now you get it and I just, I love that moment for the three of them, truly, but especially for Katniss being like, oh, so this is who Hamish actually is underneath all of the the drinking and the trying to cover everything up. Like, he's a lot like me. Um, and I, I can really respect that about him, that, like, rebelliousness and intelligence um, and, like, problem solving almost. She can really, like, identify with and also admire and also it helps her to gain an admiration for those things in herself and I've talked a lot about how they like feed on each other's insecurities almost because they have a lot of the same ones and so now for her to see something in him as a strength she can start to kind of see it in herself as a strength and I think that that's really important for her going forward if she's going to take on a larger role in Panem and in the growing rebellion she needs to kind of believe in her ability to do that and I think that this moment really helps with that I also just think that young Hamish what a guy when he's in his interview and he's like and and Caesar's like oh how do you feel about like your chances of winning now that there's twice as many tributes and he's like well they'll all be just as stupid as usual so I should be fine it's so him it's so him like I think that like I could like literally there are obviously big changes that have happened for him since he was a 16 year old in the games until now but like you still see that side of him at times like in the in the 74th and 75th games if you see that and so when you go back and you see him before all these terrible things have happened to him and you're like mm, that's him at his core that is him and yeah the fact I mean the fact that he does win against 47 other people is like literally crazy and I don't like it's hard to even think about like how much how many people that is like like 24 is already a lot and you double that that's a lot of people to outlive and also the arena that they were in was like crazy messed up obviously everything was poisonous there was a giant volcano like it was designed to kill people off in large numbers and quickly and it took a lot of intelligence and strength and just general survival skills to be the victor of that but it all does come down to that moment with the force field. So I just love that. And I love that it gives Katniss some hope, like to see that Hamish, Hamish did something like that. And yeah, it had consequences for him. Like we know that it did pretty terrible ones, but he's still here and he's still helping them, even though it's really difficult for him at times. And so she's like, maybe I could do that too. Like things, bad things, horrible things have happened to me too. But, you know, maybe we can, like, be each other's support and kind of help each other kind of start to fight back, which is so true of them. Um, but I do actually need to move on because I have, like, so many other things that I need to talk about. Let's actually talk about Cinna. It's really not looking good. It's really bad for him right now, actually. Uh, but before we talk about that, let's talk about the change in tone of his outfits that he has been designing for Katniss because originally it was very like oh you're just this young girl in love and and we need everyone to love you and think that you're so such a like hopeless romantic whatever 
But now it's a little bit more like Katniss and Peeta are the youngest victors here. They're only 17 years old. The closest in age to them is Joanna, who's 21. And also they're obviously sort of like the outsiders because everyone else already knows each other. And so no one's really going to take them seriously if you think about it like that. Like they are just these two kids who no one knows and everyone probably has their own opinions of. And maybe not great ones because just of like this whole like star-crossed lovers thing, even though it's like a strategy that works for them, to the other victors, you can imagine that it would be a little bit like, are we really doing this? You know, especially because they're smart enough to see through the fact that Katniss is acting like that she was, that her feelings for Peter were not real, at least towards the beginning. And so putting all that together, they kind of need to like take things up a notch in terms of like how they are going to present themselves. And also we know that they need to have some allies. Like that's what Hamish tells them is like, you guys actually need to have some allies uh, because everyone here already knows each other. So they're going to target you first. And so they have to start earning people's respect right away. And a big way that they do that is through Cinna's designs. Um, and so their, their things that they're wearing are a lot more like mature in terms of like portraying them as strong and powerful and not like children, which they are. And Finnick even, oh my God, I'm sorry. Every time I think about Finnick, I am just, I am literally blushing. Like he, he is my everything. Don't worry, I'll talk about him. I, I promise that I will because I've been just waiting. I'm like, oh, Finnick is going to be here so soon. And now he's finally here. We'll get there. But he even says to her, like, what happened to the pretty little girl dresses? And she's like, oh, I outgrew them. Because, yeah, they need to kind of, like, before it was like, oh, we need to pretend to just be, like, children in love so that we can we can make it seem like we weren't trying to defy the capital with, like, the berries and all that stuff. But now it's like, no, we need to get serious because we're competing against 22 other victors who all know how to fight and win. And so we need to kind of start like I said, earning their respect or else no one is going to want an alliance with us. And so, yeah, we have the the tribute parade outfits are a big part of that. Um, but obviously the big cinema outfit moment in this section is the wedding dress because Snow obviously really wants Katniss to wear this wedding dress to remind people like, haha, look how we took everything away from you and we could do it again um, because she's not going to get to have her pretty wedding. But Cinna is not Snow's biggest fan, if you couldn't tell by now. Um, so he kind of alters it so that when she twirls, it like burns up and, and turns into a mockingjay, basically. Complete with wings and everything. Amazing, stunning, show-stopping, literally. But it makes Cinna a target. And as soon as Katniss realizes that that's what the dress is transforming into, she knows that he is risking a lot with this. And he has this line earlier on in the section after Katniss is getting ready with her prep team and they're all like crying and making her feel terrible. Um, and Cinna basically tells her that he prefers to put his emotions into his work. And that's exactly what he does with this piece. But the emotion other than just being like great respect for Katniss is also hatred of the Capitol, which is really like, he's a really interesting character for a lot of reasons, but a big one being that he's a stylist. He's like an insider of the capital. Stylists are some of the most famous people, the richest, they really have it all. But right from the beginning, he saw something in Katniss and 
it's pretty clear that he's not like Snow's biggest fan right from the start. But now we start to see like, no, he's actually like in this. He's he's with the cause. Like he is literally risking everything to put her in this dress on stage and to send a message. And he does that perfectly. And I think that a huge part of this series is how clothing and, and how art in general can be used as an expression of rebellion or revolution, but clothing in particular, especially with a character like Cinna, who's a huge character in this series, and his big acts of rebellion are through the outfits that he designs for Katniss and allow her to become like the, the symbol to Panem that she ends up becoming. And obviously it does have consequences because at the end of this chapter, he gets arrested and beaten and it's done so that Katniss will see that happen right before she goes into the arena to like throw her off. And so she'll be constantly worrying about it while she's in there which you know was like Snow's entire plan, obviously. Um, but yeah, Cinna does get dragged off. And I think that he he absolutely knew that those would be the consequences for putting putting that dress on stage and he did it anyway. And he's fully willing to sacrifice himself for the rebellion. And I think that is super admirable and also really sad because I love him and I think that we all do. And so seeing him sort of be like, a casualty in this fight is really hard to read um but his character is really well honored in the series and we'll get to that trust me um but yeah I just have to have to talk about him um but let's talk about something a lot less depressing let's talk about how we are introduced to two of the best characters in the entire series in this section being of course Finnick O'Dare and Joanna Mason now we all know I'm crazy and insane about Hamish. He's my favorite character, et cetera, et cetera. But what you might not know is that my second favorite character in the series is Joanna Mason. I think that she is literally everything. I think that in Mockingjay, the book specifically, oh, she, it's amazing. She's so good. I, I'm literally obsessed with her. Um, and also Finnick, of course, is one of my favorite characters because isn't he one of everyone's favorite characters? You know, like he's just, I'm literally in love with him everything that he does literally this first chapter where he meets Katniss and oh my god I was literally like I'm like kicking my feet giggling every time but Finnick let's just talk let's just talk about what his deal is he is he won his games at 14 years old which is the youngest anyone's ever been which like think about yourself as a 14 year old like I'm thinking about me as a 14 year old yeah um, but when he was 14, he was winning the Hunger Games. He also got a whole trident as a sponsor gift, which Katniss says is probably the most expensive sponsor gift she's ever seen, like literally an entire weapon. And it's it's addressed so much how expensive sponsor gifts are, like literally like like the food that Katniss and Peter got was probably so expensive. So imagine how expensive a literal trident would be. And the reason is because of how charming he is. And also, again, he was only 14 when that happened. But yeah, so now he's an adult um, and everyone in the Capitol is in love with him. And like, so am I. Um, <laughs> but he just is like so effortlessly charming. But I think another thing that I love about this interaction that him and Katniss have is that she, that that charm does not work on her. Because obviously the way that he like 
charms the people of the capital is very very phony and over the top but like that's they, like they eat that up there you know um but to someone like Katniss who's grown up in district 12 and like that's not gonna work on her and I think that it's it's interesting because I think that he thinks it will you know like he's definitely one of the people who still sees her as like oh she's just this like 17 year old kid and she's just been playing up this this fake romance this whole time um but you know she hold she holds her ground in this in this conversation that they have, and I think that even after just that, he's like, okay, she's tougher than I thought she was. She's not the kind of person that I thought she was gonna be. Um, and this is where we start gaining like the respect of the other victors and going on to like why everyone wants them as an ally. Um, the other big part of that being they all see her shoe, and she's like really good at it, obviously. But they also meet Joanna Mason, who, girl, in terms of, like, character introductions in this series, this is, like, top tier. Um, because they're in the elevator with her, and she literally, like, takes off her dress. Just there. And you know what? I truly love that for her. I think that she, I think that she is so fascinating because she takes a while to figure out and like even up to the end of the series you still have a lot of questions about who she is but i think that like who you think that she is in catching fire is not really who she actually is you know like she definitely is a complex character obviously like literally every single character in this series and i think that i love that kind of like arc of like oh she's just like when you first meet her you're like mm, she maybe she's kind of crazy like what is she doing right now? But then you see like her intensity and her strength and her determination and all of these other qualities like going forward. But yeah, so introduced to those two, keep an eye on them uh, <laughs> because they're literally everything. And I will be talking about them pretty much weekly from this point forward. Let's just, you know, Actually, first, let's talk about their private sessions. Let's do that because that's really important. Peta paints a picture of Rue, which is so him and also so maddening to the game makers because it's like, we're not going to let you forget because every single year, 23 children die and everyone just moves on, but we're not going to move on from this one, you know? But Katniss... <laughs> I just think about it every single day. She is so iconic. Like, you think the whole, like, shooting an arrow at them in her first games in the private session is iconic? But then she literally paints a dummy as Seneca Crane and, like, hangs it. And also, oh, no, I'm getting, I'm getting to the, the deleted scenes again. I'm so sorry. I do this so often, and that's why I literally made decided I needed to have an entire segment for it when I do the movies but it just it just comes up naturally sometimes the reason like the reason she knows how to tie the noose is because Finnick shows her at the the knot tying station which was the deleted scene in the movie that got cut that one I really truly think that everyone should go on YouTube and watch it though because it's life-changing honestly um but yeah she does I have a dummy that says Seneca Crane and every and all the game makers are jaws on the floor shocked um and then when they tell Hamish and their stylist they're like what is wrong with you guys why would you do that but at this point like 
they're both just so mad and they both they both want to protect the other one so badly but it's also like feels so futile because especially Katniss I mean we as readers are very aware of the fact that the entire point of this quarter quell is literally to get rid of her like and also to show that the victors are not invincible blah blah whatever but like specifically snow wants her specifically dead and also i i i wrote down this quote because i think it's so true um about like katniss katniss says worry that her actions will have consequences for Peta. um and the quote says but Peta would be more valuable alive and tragic because he will be able to turn his pain into words that will transform people. And it's it's definitely written in a way of like, if he survives and I die, he'll be this like tragic boy whose lover died in the arena, you know, like the capital can use that um, while also getting rid of her. But also in terms of a rebellion, Katniss feels that she could be very useful as like a martyr so if she dies in the arena and she thinks that Peta is going to be more valuable to the actual cause. And the big part of that is because he can, he's a really good speaker. And I've mentioned this before about how valuable of a skill that is when you're trying to rebel against a government that has been in control for 75 years, when most people are still too afraid to do that. Peta's, Peta's power to like, move people with his words is so strong and and would de- like that's something that Katniss really does admire about him um and almost wishes that she had some of herself so she feels that like even if I die the rebellion still has a chance because Peta can convince people to join but yeah they both take these huge risks in their private sessions um and they both scored 12s which is the first time that's ever been done but it's basically they assume the game maker's way of like getting everyone to target them. Um, especially once they've decided they're like, mm, we don't actually really want any allies or mostly Katniss decides that and Peter goes along with it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think that their private sessions literally so iconic and just so them like Peta painting a beautiful portrait to honor someone they've lost and Katniss literally shoving the fact that they won against the game makers literally in the previous games is just so on character for both of them and I love it and I think it's amazing okay now we will be talking about the tribute interviews because oh my god let's just start with the victors being so angry because literally like once you win the games everything is kind of terrible because you have all the trauma of everything you experienced there. For a lot of people, their entire families have gotten killed and they're just forced to mentor for the rest of their lives and do whatever the capital tells them to. So it's not really a win, but the one guarantee that you get, other than like the wealth and food, is you're not going to have to go back into the arena. But now they are. Uh, so everyone is very upset about that, obviously. And so we get to see how the victors have there are various strategies for like how can we get the people angry at snow specifically i think that everyone every one of these victors knows their strengths and i think it's a product of the fact that like one they have to kind of know them in order to have one already but then like living as mentors for the past x number of years really reaffirms like these are what my strengths are so like finnick knows it's his charm so he reads a love letter out to some mysterious person 
Speedy kind of like logics his way through it. It's basically like, this is really not a fair system and we could change it. I mean, Snow's the one in, in charge, like stuff like that. Um, Katniss lets her dress speak for her, honestly. Like, like nothing she could say. And that's not like a dig at her. I think that, I think that, well, you know, it's always like, oh, speaking is not her strength. So she lets Peter do it. She actually has moments where she, when she gets going, where you're like, this is actually really powerful and moving. But the dress that Cinna designed is just so unmatched. Like, I don't think that there is anything anyone could have said that would speak more words than that dress did, Uh, especially the transformation from the wedding gown. But (laughs) no one can even compete with Peter Malark. Literally this moment, life altering. Like people literally died. Like there is nothing in life that has impacted me more than this scene where PETA announces to the entire Capitol audience that Katniss is pregnant. Just, and I also, okay, I was literally rewatching Catching Fire last night, just, you know, because I do that a lot. And I think that this, if it weren't for the baby line, aside from just being literally the best thing I've ever read in my entire life, I got to give it up to Josh Hutcherson because he executed it perfectly. Like this was a moment where I'm like, imagine if this incredible moment had had like poor execution in the film. Like, what were we gonna do with that? But no, he executes it perfectly, and then he does his little like nod to Hamish. Oh, it's so good. It's truly, truly life altering. Um, but yeah, he's tells everyone that Katniss is pregnant, which obviously she is not. Um, <laughs> but after that point, it's like everyone is is outrage and aside from me always being like hey Mitch is a genius the second thing I always say is that PETA is also a genius um and I feel like you can tell that from the beginning like there are moments and then it kind of builds up and you're like okay he's actually like super smart but if you didn't already know it by this moment you know it now because nothing that anyone else said could ever have had the impact that this does like everyone is trying their best to stir the people and and get them mad and get them talking and and it's like kind of working you know and I think that Katniss's dress also is like a big step but once Peta says this it's like who and no one cares what anyone else said this is literally the like the idea that Katniss could be pregnant and also I love here that Katniss realizes that this plays to the fears of every single other person standing on that stage because I've talked before about like Victor's children and how they're more likely to get reaped and it's not a coincidence it's because it makes for better television to have like a Victor mentoring their own child as a tribute or their child dying in the games like that stuff is drama and that's what people want to watch and so I think that every single other Victor has had this thought of like if I had children they're probably going to end up getting reaped and maybe die. Um, And so now the idea that Katniss could literally be living that out, being pregnant and going into the games is going to resonate with every single person on that stage. And it also resonates with every person in the audience because this is something they've never had to deal with before. But then what happens after that is all the victors join hands which is obviously just a huge moment because they're all supposed to be there to kill each other. And so to show like that they're a united front is a big deal. But, and this is, this is a line from the book also, this is probably the first show of public unity among all 12 districts since the dark days. 
Like we have people from every single district holding hands in active defiance of the Capitol for everyone to see. That has not happened in 75 years. And so that moment is literally huge and everything is in chaos and the people of the Capitol are mad, which like it takes a lot to get them mad because they spend their time watching children kill each other and think that that is fine. So to get them riled up, you have to, it has to be something big. And of course, PETA had thought of something that would do it. And so, yeah, I think that this, it's literally crazy. Suzanne Collins, you're, you were insane for this one. You were insane for this one. And I also love that if you quote this line to anyone who has read this book, they immediately are like, oh yeah, that scene, that one was good. Like, I don't even have the words for it. It's just so, because PETA just gets people. He understands his friends and family, but also he understands the people of the Capitol in terms of like, how can I get a reaction out of these people? He understands the other victors and what's going to resonate with them. Um, And I also love that this is a moment of very raw reaction and emotion for Katniss because she obviously doesn't know that this is going to happen. But another thing that I love is that she doesn't get mad at Peta for it because she knows what a good move it was. And she knows that like, telling her beforehand would have complicated things and he even asks her like tell me now if I if you want me to apologize because I will and she's like no you're good also I just have to say it when she's like no you're good (laughs) she's thinking she has a like moment where she thinks about like how would this make Gail feel and then she's like you know what I literally don't care because Peta slayed direct quote actually you could you should go look in the book because it actually says Peta slayed um but no like literally I think Gail is probably only mentioned like maybe that one time maybe one other time in these chapters um so sorry for bringing him up when he's literally not relevant um but isn't he always not relevant so but yeah and I also think that I I mean by this point we know Katniss has a lot of admiration and respect for PETA um but this moment is when she's like oh okay so so he's like that okay Um, And also, I'm just going to say, if I were her and I experienced that, I would be in love so fast. Like, even if I wasn't already, I'd be, like, deeply in love with this man. So, you know, just putting that out there. I also love, they spend a lot of time together in these chapters. They spend, they have, like, a whole day where they're up on the rooftop just, like, hanging out. (laughs) So, like, you know that they might die in a few days, which really hurts. Um, And also that, like, only one of them can really make it out because there can only be one victor, obviously, and that each of them wants it to be the other person. But they spend a lot of time together and they're literally like inseparable at this point. Like the night before they go into the games, Katniss is like refuses to let Peter out of her sight because he, she's afraid that like she might not get to see him again until they're in the arena. Um, and I think that all this, like she doesn't realize it yet, but this is her falling in love with him. Like this is when it's happening. And yeah, she might not realize that for a bit, but I realize it. And I'm sure everyone else reading can realize it, that this is not, that like these feelings are real. Um, And obviously that is not her primary concern at this moment, because once again, they are literally about to go back into the Hunger Games. So that's why she's not like, oh my gosh, wait, I actually do have feelings for Pina. That's crazy. But as like, from an outside perspective of a reader, especially when we have her internal monologue and like her all of her feelings are literally on the page for us 
and all of their interactions, it's like, okay, but I see that you are developing feelings and falling in love with him, even if you don't see it. Also, like, just their general relationship, they're so much more relaxed around each other. Like, when we start off this book, they're barely speaking. Everything is, like, super tense with them. And now they're, like, act like they've been friends their whole lives, you know? Like, they're so casual with each other. They have such a nice, like, banter and and their conversations really flow and just everything that you would want out of a relationship and even like a close friendship is what they have here um and also truly just like a deep understanding of each other and literally willingness to die for each other because that's the plan right now um but yeah I it's like amidst all the chaos of preparing for the games and interviews and training and everything else they just spend a whole day just up on the rooftop, have a little picnic. She's literally like, oh, it's so good. And it makes my, it makes me sad <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, also, there's no real way for me to say this without it being a spoiler, but I'm going to just be super vague about it. And it won't spoil anything. The scene where they say their goodbyes to Hamish, obviously sad, obviously emotional. Um because like they're saying goodbye to Hamish, their mentor who's literally family at this point. Katniss's words, not mine, but also because of a second reason, period. That's it. Um, like I said, I was super vague about it. And if you have already read Mockingjay and think about it, you'll be like, hmm, yeah, I get what you mean. I get why you're sad. They also don't get to say goodbye to Effie, which is sad in its own way. Um, because even though she's Effie, you know, how she is, she still has done a lot for them. Um, and they definitely do owe her for, for helping them. Not in the same way that they would owe someone like Hamish or Sina. Um, but in her own Effie way, she's been there for them. <laughs> also, Hamish says this banger line to her of like, when you're in the arena, remember who the real enemy is. Yeah, what a man. But truly, these chapters, above anything else, are just jam-packed with emotions. I felt every emotion possible in these chapters. I feel sadness, obviously. Happiness. There's some really good romance happening here. Whatever emotion I experience when Peta says, if it weren't for the baby, I think that I can't even come up with a term for it. It's just its own separate emotion that exists solely for that scene. I feel literal rage and hatred towards president snow specifically and more sadness um because once again the chapter does end with Cinna literally getting dragged off by peacekeepers and now we're in the arena where she's literally surrounded by water and i gotta be so real with you guys because i mean like if you've read catching fire before you obviously know this um but you know who's gonna be thriving in a completely water arena uh finnick odair Famously, the love of my life, Mr. I received an entire trident as a sponsor gift. I'm sorry. I just can never not think about that. Like, I'll literally be watching or reading any scene that Finnick is in ever. And I'm like, man, remember when he literally got an entire trident as a sponsor gift? Like, give me a number for how expensive that was. I want to know what the price of that was and who bought it. Like, who was so in love with that man that they were like, I will literally pay for him to have an entire trident. Also, he was again, 14 years old at the time. 
Imagine being that charming as a 14-year-old. When I was 14, no one would be buying me anything even remotely as expensive as that. Um, based on my charm. But yeah, I do hate to say it because I know that the entire point of that interaction between him and Katniss for the tribute parade is to be like, this is just like phony charm and that's not who he actually is. And like, it's not going to work on her because she's smarter than that. But it works on me though. But it works on me. Um, so she's stronger and better than I am because if I had had that interaction with him, I would have been like, literally, I'm in love with you. Um, so... Things, things would have gone differently if I was there, for sure. Thanks for joining me this week on Tales of Panem. For those of you reading along with me, next week's episode will be covering chapters 19 through 22 of Catching Fire. If you have any specific questions or topics you'd like me to cover, you can DM them to me on any social media or send them to my email, which is talesofpanem at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave a review or rating of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would be very appreciated. Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back next week. Thank you.